Blog Talk Radio. Of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are, of course, the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing well. First obvious question, are you up in Buffalo or are you uh, on travel? I'm in Buffalo, traveling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that sounds good. All right, well, Cindy, before we start, we've got a great show today. Of course, we've got uh, Sue Weger is, is going to be joining us here uh, from Arizona here in just a moment. But let me just remind everybody, of course, we are live uh, every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And, of course, best way to find us is go to blogtalkradio.com uh, and just type in Women of Golf up in the search key, and you will find us there. And some other great ways to tune into the show is uh, go to itunes.com, stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and now TalkStreamLive.com, and you can find us there. Um, the other uh, great way to connect with uh, Cindy and I is you're welcome to call into the show live uh, on Tuesday mornings. The number to call is area code 347-945-5855, uh, or you can reach out to either Cindy or I at Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com, and you can also reach out to me at TED.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com. All right, as I mentioned, we've got a, a very uh, great guest this morning. Let me tell you a little bit about her, and then Cindy will, will bring her on. Uh, of course, uh, our special guest this morning is Sue uh, Weger. She a, has a master's uh, in education. She's a number one best-selling international author, a motivational speaker, and peak performance coach, and she's also a 20-year-plus veteran of the LPGA as a Class A professional, and uh, she's also the owner of Weger Consulting, LLC. Um, she's got a great new book. We're going to talk a little bit about that and some other things this morning. Uh, her book, of course, is called Golf, The Last Six Inches, and it's a number one international bestseller. So uh, let's welcome Cindy, our, our very special guest this morning, Sue Weger. Good morning. Good morning, Ted and Cindy. How are you? We're doing great. Yeah. We're doing fantastic. So how- and and <laughs> thank you for joining us this morning. I know it's early in Arizona. Uh, we appreciate you getting up a little extra early to, to join us this morning on uh, on the Women of Golf Show. Oh, I'm just honored and grateful to be here. So it's a beautiful day in Arizona. We're just enjoying our fall weather here. <laughs> yeah, it's a little. Uh, it's uh, pretty nice here in Florida as well. And Cindy, I know you're up in Buffalo. It's getting a little bit cooler there, uh, but uh, we can't complain. We're we're uh, all uh, loving this great game of golf. Let me just uh, a quick side note uh, before uh, Sue before we start. Uh, 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 congratulations out to Susie Whaley, of course, uh, the new president of the PGA of America. It was officially made here 
just a few days ago, so we want to send our congratulations. Of course, uh, Susie uh, was on the show just a few weeks ago, and uh, we just want to send, on behalf of Cindy and I, uh, our congratulations on officially becoming the PJ uh, of America's president. So congratulations, Susie. Um, all right, Sue, uh, I'm going to start off, and before we get into, uh, we're going to certainly talk about your book a little bit this morning, um, but I wanted to start somewhere first that maybe will help sort of set things up a little bit. Um, you founded a, a mental peak performance program called Change Your Brain, Change Your Game. Tell us a little bit about that program. Yeah, the program is, is, and talks about the state of your game, and the state of your game is basically your mindset and how you approach, how you approach your game. We, we talk about, I interview a lot of, um, obviously, players and professionals, and I always ask them, you know, what part of the game do you work on? And it's funny that the amateurs work on their skill sets and the professionals work on the skill set and their mindset. And what I found is it's lacking in some of the instructional pieces of um, especially on the amateur side, is just the mental side. So change your, brain is change, change your brain, change your game is just that. It's, it talks about the state of your game, and there's three factors within the state. And we talk about, you know, what do you feel like emotionally, physically, and, and mentally. So um, I use what's called a little bit of a triad, and the triad within your state is focused language and physiology. It's the fastest way to change your state. So the focus part is, well, what are you focused on? Are you focused on what's going right with your game or are you focused on what's going wrong with your game? And a lot of times we talk about when people focus, when they're focusing on the golf course, are they focusing on what they want or are they focusing on what they don't want? Like, for example, uh, don't go in the bunker, you know, don't go in the water type right. of thing. So that's where we talk about the focus. The physiology is, your emotion is created by motion, so the fastest way to change your state is through your body. So if you want to feel, feel depressed, the easiest way to do that is slump your shoulders, you know, have some um, not-so-good self-talk. Um, you can definitely tell as you watch um, players when they play golf just by watching them what their body language is telling them so in regards to the negativity that's coming out of them. And then the last piece, of course, is self-talk, which is your language. What kind of internal language are you having or even external language? What do you hear yourself saying even? So we, what I train my players is during the pre-shot and even the post-shot, they have to think about that triad. What are they focused on? Are they focused on the, what was good about the shot or what was bad about the shot, for example? And like in the pre-shot, what's the body going to feel like? When you walk up, are you going to feel confident or are you going to feel not so confident? Um, and we talk about, so the other aspect, again, is self-talk. What, is, what kind of kind of conversations are you having in with your head? So that's what right. we talk about. That's and, and the change your brain, change your games come up. Right. And I think, Sue, you'd probably agree that a lot of uh, amateur golfers, as you pointed out, think about a lot of different things on the golf course. And, and I think they're probably most guilty of thinking about swing thoughts and and technique and that sort of thing when they're up there over the shot they're thinking okay do i is my elbow in the right spot am i swinging it back properly and that's obviously much different as you said than what the pros are thinking about they're thinking about you know executing a specific shot that they have in mind uh and they've got their target in mind and they're blocking out all the trouble whereas as you indicated that a lot of the amateurs are thinking about a million different things and i think that's what sort of gets them stymied a little bit uh, out in the golf course Would, would you agree with that I would totally agree because I think amateurs 
have a difficult time making a decision, you know, over their, because they're stuck in that, um, like you said, cycle of swing thoughts, they can't make a decision. And when you can't make a decision, just like in life, when you can't make a decision, you kind of feel lost. And there's no, there's no direction to that. There's no, there's no path to it. Um, and so that's what they're getting. They're like, well, hmm, I didn't get what I expected. Well, really, you're thinking about, you know, their, their, internal, their internal focus is all on their swing thoughts. And there's no way the body can actually relate to the target. And so there's no visualization to the target. Like you said, with professionals, they're thinking about the ball flight. They're thinking about where they want the ball to end up. Um, right. And so, yeah, it's totally different. Well, let me ask you just a, a fo- sort of a follow-up question about that, then, and, then, and then, Cindy, I'm going to throw it over to you. Um, so let's say, in this example, you're working with a student, uh, you know, on the practice facility, a practice team, if you will, uh, and you're working on some spe- specific techniques. Now, all of a sudden, you want to take them out on the golf course for a playing lesson. What do you do or say to them to now say, okay, now it's time to shut the brain down from what you learned over here on the practice tee. In other words, I don't want you thinking about all these things we just talked about. Now I want you to focus on the task at hand. How do you transition them from tee, if you will, or practice tee out onto the golf course? Well, I think it's important that um, we determine, you know, what we're, what's the focus in the sense that, you know, if we're looking at, let's say it's, Let's say there's somebody that's working on trying to get rid of their slice a little bit, and we work on a little bit of the mechanics. So we, we work on a little bit of the mechanics, but before we leave that tee box or that practice range, we actually go through the mental process of, okay, so what are we going to think about? What are we going to focus on? And you can have a swing thought, but we can't have 20. And so we teach right. them the pre-shot routine, that the pre-shot routine and saying, okay, because we have to brain, we have to balance out the brain. Because if you're thinking about your swing thoughts and your skills, usually you're on the left side of your brain, and that's too, you know, and that's okay. Behind the shot, thinking about what I want in regards to, you know, like the yardage and the wind and all of that kind of thing. But then when we're about ready to execute execute the shot, we make the decision, and we're going to step up. We're going to trust ourselves. We're going to trust our skills. Um, we're going to feel the shot. We're going to see the shot, and then we're just going to do the shot. So I think it's really important that players, if if they're working on the mechanics and then they're transitioning into the onto the golf course, it's very important that they're actually working on that pre-shot routine right there on the practice facility before they go play. Right, that's a great point, um, Cindy. I know you you might have a question or two here. I think that one of the hardest things for students to understand is they need to be able to plan a shot and they need to be taught how to make clear decisions and I think that when we just rake and hit, rake and hit, rake and hit on the range they're not learning what components need to compromise or, or you know what happens on the golf course and how they can mess up, if you will, everything Mm -hmm. they've just been working on. So I think there's two parts to this, and I know that we we have to help them simplify the process so they can produce results. Um, Do you have a system that you teach them? I know Lynn and Pia have Think Box, Play Box, which, 
you know, we all have some sort of um, way to teach the same thing. Tell us what you do. Yes. Um, you know, I the Think Box and, and Play Box from Lynn and Pia is, is excellent. And I like to call, I like to um, get away from the word of thinking. So I call basically the, the Think Box a caddy box. So the caddy box is, you know, behind the shot. What, what, what kind of conversation would you have with your caddy at this time? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I give an example. You're not going to talk to your caddy about your grip or your posture or your stance or the ball position. What, would you, what kind of conversations would you have with your caddy? Your caddy is going to think, are going to ask questions like, okay, well, we've got 125 yards. The ball is sitting down a little bit. There's not too much wind. The center of the green is here. Um, those kind of that kind of conversation. So it's more engaged with the target and less engaged with the if you may call it the skill mechanics of the shot. Um, and then what in the sense that and then they step in and they and they make that decision once they pull the club and they're like, okay, I've made that decision. And then be decisive and step into that. And then I teach them. I have what's called a little internal scorecard exercise, and we go through this process. And when they step in into the shot, I like to ask them, like, oh, are you thinking positive or are you thinking negative? And we have a series of, um, on the practice range we do this, and they hit 10 shots. And they come back, and I have a little scorecard, and they, they'll write down just plus or negative, and they'll know rate the shot. So, for example, they step into the shot, um, they go ahead and execute a shot, and then I ask them, okay, how would you rank that from one to ten? And then we just chart it. And then I say, okay, what was your thoughts before you, you know, you drew the, drew the club back? Was it a positive shot? Was it or a positive thought or a negative? Or was it no thought? Because we want to start looking at their patterns. Because, um, what we find is that most of the time when we've ever, when I've ever done this, my research is telling me is that. It's either you being, you're being neutral or if you're being positive, you get better ranked shots. Well, that makes sense. Right. Versus when you're standing up there going, okay. Because I, I tell them, I said, if you're thinking mechanically, is that, can that be positive or can that be negative? You know, what, what would you think if you're standing over shot? And, Cindy, have you, have you stood over shots before and you, you're thinking kind of negative or you weren't committed to it, what kind of outcome would you get? Yeah, well, you're going to get a terrible outcome. So it's, I think it, where it comes from is there's doubt yes. and fear and apprehension. So that, in my opinion, means that I didn't make a clear decision yes. that I was able to commit to. So it's not the fact that I have doubt and fear and apprehension. It's the fact that you didn't take the two extra seconds and say, is this the smartest play for me from this position? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. we want to make sure that we make, you know, good decisions within my realistic expectations of my skill set, right? You know, you're try- yeah. if I was trying to carry it over the water and it was 210, you know, one out of 50, I'm going to pull that off. Well, that's kind of a dumb <laughs> shot, right? Right. Or one out of a thousand. So, again, that's my fault for not making a good decision within my skill set. So I Correct. don't believe that most people take, and including me, I'm busted right here, 
you know, stop and ask yourself, what's the smartest play from this position? Yes, and I think that many times when you're in, and and we hear the word try, so when we step in over the over the shot, and we and we stand up there in the word try, when I say when I hear a, a player say, oh, "Well, I'm going to try to hit the shot," I'm going to stop them and I'm going to ask them, "Is it try the word try? Is that a committed word? It's not. It's non-committal. So." Yeah. They have to be careful with that language. And I said, what if you just walked up and say, I trust myself over this, or I trust this six iron, or I trust myself? That's more of an empowering word where, again, it's going to help them clarify that decision. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, I can do this. I'm going to, I am going to do this. So I teach my players a lot with the I am statements, and we do an exercise where they have to write down uh, 10 I am statements and the I am and it doesn't have to necessarily be with golf. It can be, it just has to be the, the statement, the word, wording after the I am is like I'm a, I'm a loving wife or I'm a loving friend and I'm a loving daughter. Or it, They have to be 100% true and positive. Mm-hmm. And I have them do that for five days. And then I have them go stand in front of a mirror and talk to themselves with those I am statements to find out what's really true about who they are, and they take that authenticity into their golf because they feel better about themselves, they know who they are, and then I think that's where they can trust themselves a lot more. Yeah, Sue, and I agree with that. I think that it also boils down to, uh, especially with a lot of our amateur golfers, that there's a lack of confidence. Um, They're not confident over the shot. For, for whatever reason, again, as Cindy pointed out, their skill set, um, you know, maybe isn't quite there yet. So when they get over a shot, instead of, uh, you know, really thinking about it and saying, okay, uh, you know, Cindy had, had suggested, you know, instead of trying to hit over uh, the water that's 210, maybe I need to lay mm-hmm. up before the water uh, and, and make a better uh, club selection, a better choice. So instead of really thinking the process through, they tend to sort of rush it and just, well, I'll, I'll just grab this club, and as you said, I'll, I'll just try to hit it over the water. And if, if it goes over, great. If it doesn't, well, then I'll just take a drop and, and move on. So they don't really think mm-hmm. the process clearly, and I think that comes from, you know, obviously, again, our amateur golfers that haven't played as much, they haven't developed that, that sort of inner confidence yet. So I, I like what you just mentioned about really trying to help them establish that so that when they do step up and are faced with some of these different challenges, they're going to be much more confident because they've been sort of doing that self-talk, talking to themselves uh, and doing some of these, these dri- uh, skills, if you will, or developing them uh, and making a much more informed decision when the time does come that they do want to play. And uh, I, I think, you know, setting them up with sort of a pre-shot routine um, for every shot can help them also achieve some of that as well. Um, Cindy, do you have another question, yeah. or, or do you want me to go? Go ahead. Uh, okay, now you also, um, Sue, you also host uh, some multi-day mind and body golf retreats international. What are some other things that are involved in those retreats, if somebody was interested in maybe uh, joining in? Well, we do the mind and body. So we do the mind has to do with the mental side. So we talk about, we find out you know, why they're playing um, we definitely talk about the state, which is the focus language and the physiology. We go through these exercises. So 
just in the sense the first thing that we do is we actually go out and play like six to nine holes with no instruction, and I give them a journal, and the first thing we're going to talk about is all I want you to do is write down what you say to yourself over shots or maybe before shots or in between shots because we need to, we want to, we want to see what their pattern is in regards to self-talk. And nine times out of ten, it's not positive. It's like, wow, I had no, and we come back in, uh, and then we talk about that and say, well, what did you notice? What was, the, what was the focus of the language? Was it, what did you hear yourself saying? Like, well, I'm so stupid, or, or I'm going to try to hit the shot, or what did you hit? For example, after you hit a good shot, what did you say to yourself? Most people don't accept or anchor the, good, the goodness. Most people take in the negative, meaning they'll own, they'll own the yep. negative shots, but they won't own the good shots. And we have to, we have to teach them to flip that because as we know that what you're anchoring is what you're putting in your subconscious. And if you, if you pour in, you know, ne- what I call, you know, negative oil into your car, you, that car's not going to run very well sooner or later because that's what you're getting. You're getting mm-hmm. more of. So that's one of the things that we do with the retreats. The body part is we just teach basic um, functional body movement to help them create, understand what the body needs to do um, to make an efficient and a sequential golf swing. Um, and then we, we go out and play. So we do a lot of self-management. We do a lot of confidence. We talk about um, focus. And, again, the physiology part is just understanding what the body needs to do and finding out, well, okay, um, body's not working very well today, and that's okay because we all know that body changes every day. And we talk to them about, okay, are you are you waking up with your A body today? The you know what I call A plus body, where you're walking, where you are you going to feel like maybe your body's not feeling so good today? Maybe you're at a B level. But what happens is we go out and play golf and expect our body to be at A plus level every time, and Again, with amateurs, they usually don't take care of their body as well as professionals, and they have a mindset that, well, I'm going to go ahead and I normally hit my, let's say, my 7-iron 140 yards, and today I'm a B player. My body's kind of a B player, and they still have this mindset of being an A-plus, and they still keep pulling the 7-iron out to hit 140 yards, and it's only going 130. Right. Right. So we just have to teach them about acceptance, about who they are as well, and it's all about self-management. Because, you know, as we all know, day to day to day, our body changes, the golf course changes. So there's a lot of variables that change. And we just try to teach them about self-management. Yeah, and that, that's, that's an interesting um, point that you made, you know, because a lot of golfers uh, fall into this trap anyways, um, Sue, uh, of under-clubbing, you know, not picking enough club to, to execute the shot. And I think it's even more mm-hmm. prevalent. Um, you know, as you said, when, when you wake up in the morning and maybe you, you don't have your, you know, your A game, let's say, uh, but you still think based on, you know, what you were working on a couple of days ago, okay, well, I'm hitting this club that far, so this is what I've got to do. And, and this is why I think it's so important uh, for our amateurs that if you're going out to play a round of golf, that's why it's important to get there a little bit early and hit some shots out on the range just to kind of get a feel uh, of what things are going to be for that day. Because as you said, you know, you might in the best of times, might hit your club, uh, your 7-iron, 140 yards. But as you said, you know, it's maybe only going 130 today. So that changes um, the dialogue that goes in your head and say, okay, I'm not hitting it as solid or as far as I normally hit today, so I've got to make some adjustments out in the course where it's applicable. And I think that's a very important 
um, point for amateurs really to take note of. Um, I, I want to ask you one other thing, and then, Cindy, I'm going to throw it back to you. Um, I see here that you're the Director of Education for Yoga for Golfers. Tell us a little bit about how that came about and what some of the benefits. Um, we hear a lot about people getting into yoga for a multitude of reasons, but hearing a lot about golfers now as well, uh, utilizing yoga to help. So how has it benefited you, and how has it benefited some of your students? Oh, it is. Yoga has changed my life. Um, I had breast cancer in the year 2000, and I had a double mastectomy, and I was in my six weeks of recovery, and Catherine Roberts called our golf course when she was just starting the Yoga for Golf program, and she wanted to just interview um, just interview me as far as just um, she was just kind of starting her program, and she brought a television crew out, and we were just we were just standing on the putting green, and I would think I was like five weeks out of double mastectomy. I said, "Well, I can't swing." She goes, "That's okay. We'll just putt." And she was the first one that ever taught me how to breathe correctly. It was amazing how much it freed up my putting stroke. Um, she just taught me um, the, what we call deep belly breathing, because most people breathe up from their chest, and when you breathe in your chest, it's very stressful breathing. So that's one of the best techniques you can teach anyone. Um, to help change their physiology and help change their focus is the breathing because most people, when we're under stress, we breathe up from our chest. So that's one of the techniques that I teach everybody in their pre-shot routine is let's check in with your breath. How are you breathing? Are you breathing up from your chest or are you breathing from your belly? Because we need to oxygenate the whole whole entire body. So um, the breathing was like life-changing for me. Um, so anytime that I'm, that I'm stressed or my player's stressed, like the first thing I just ask them is said, okay, check in with your breath. Are you breathing? Are you breathing correctly? Are you breathing stressful? Or are you having deep, refreshing, cleansing breath? That's one of the things. The other thing, as far as movement, um, yoga is such is is so unbelievably good for the body because just like in golf, we talk about three planes of movement. Well, yoga is one of the best um, types of exercises and the best. There's different types of yoga, but as far as the total body workout, you're working on three different planes of the body, and with rotation and stability and flexibility, those are all of the you know concepts we always talk about in golf. Um, those are the concepts that you're working on. The basic foundations within yoga is stability, flexibility, strength, um, and then obviously on the mindset. When you step onto a mat, it's the same thing as you're stepping over into a golf shot. What's your mental state? How do you feel? Because you, ha- you have to go inside with yoga, and it, and it challenges the body, definitely challenges the body, and it definitely challenges the mind. So it's a great complement for golf. Yeah, I can, I can certainly attest to that. And We've had the honor of, of course, having Catherine on the show uh, a number of times over the years, and, yeah, she's uh, certainly one of the best. Um, and, and something that, Cindy, uh, and I don't know whether you may recall this or not, um, but Sue, one of the things that, that Catherine was talking about was uh, in reference to things like balance and, and sort of feeling, um, getting that feeling, especially as we get older, we, we start to, our, our nerves, if you will, and nerve endings and that start to, uh, I guess, get a little more, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but not debilitated, but uh, just not functioning quite the same as when we were younger. And one of the exercises that she did with a lot of her students very early on is especially her, her, her more mature students uh, is actually have them take off their shoes and socks and walk uh, in the grass with just their bare feet yeah. because a lot yeah. of a lot of seniors particularly 
Um, that's why, and I never even I never even thought of this. I always thought it was more of a physicality thing, um, you know, hips and things like that. But she said that what happens is on the balls of uh, or on the soles of your feet, because those nerves mm-hmm. uh, over time start to decrease for a multitude of reasons. Um, that's why you'll see a lot of elderly people will sort of wobble as they walk. Yeah. Um, and it's not just about balance. You know, they, they just they don't feel. So they're very un- yeah. become very unsteady. Um, Cindy, I, I don't know if you recall that or not, but um, you know she I talked do. a little bit about that. Yeah, I remember that. And um, yeah, and I so was so, so uh, this, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, and I've done that too. You know, you, you don't really you don't really think about it because you know we're, we're for the most part we're wearing shoes all the time, and you know you don't really pay attention. And then all of a sudden one day you wake up and. You go to stand up and you're a little bit unsteady and and uh, you just don't have that same sensation. So, um, is that something that you try to help uh, as well, Sue, with with your students, is is to help them get that feeling or understand what they should be feeling? Oh yes, um, I use balance tools all the time. We take people. I always tell them I said before, without golf shoes, they go up on the balance tools. We teach them about what their center feels like. When, because once you get on a balance pillow, and it's not a, a BOSU ball, they're actually balance pillows. And once you teach someone what it feels like to be centered on, a, on the balance pillows, and then they step onto the ground in their bare feet, the ground just feels like so un- incredibly solid. And they're like, they're glued to the ground. And I said, let me ask you, do you ever feel like that on a golf shot? And they're like, no. Because they don't, <laughs> they don't have the feeling of centeredness. And we all know the ball doesn't move, so our center, we have to be really grounded. And that's, especially with a lot of the women, um, they're not very centered when they're standing over the golf shot, and that's why they lose a lot of power because they're moving off their center, what I call center of gravity. So they go from heels to toes, heels to toes, back and forth. But uh, the best professional athletes, um, golfers, you can look how centered they are and how solid they are over the golf shot. Even though there's, you know, they might be moving a little bit in a pre-shot routine, they know what centeredness to the ground feels like. And so I totally agree in regards. We have, in the retreats, we have people hit golf shots all the time in their bare feet because it's just, they're like, oh, this is different. And like, exactly, you need to feel something different to, to as you say, waken up the senses. Yeah. Yeah, and that was something that was very interesting. I, I ne- never really looked at it from that perspective until Catherine came on the show and talked about that, and I thought, wow, you know, Cindy said that was something that I really didn't uh, appreciate. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I know you've, you've got some more questions. So, Sue, do you teach, like, normal lessons during the week? Do you have, like, you teach students one-hour lessons, half-hour lessons? Yes, I do one-on-ones, and then I do group, and then I have a golf movement um, six-weeks program class. So people will come in, and we'll teach them exactly what we're talking about. We'll teach them from the ground up. Um, We teach them um, rotation. We teach them a little bit about golf stretches. We teach them about body in the sense of what is rotation, what is stability. Um, We go through, it's a a little bit of combination of, um, you know, TPI. We do a little bit of disassociation assessments to find out is their upper body flexible, is their lower body stable. Um, We do that first off, and then we just kind of educate them about what is disassociation and um, finding out, you know, what is, what's limited in their body, and that's why they're, you know, maybe not hitting the golf ball as far, such that. So it's a little combination of TPI, a little bit of yoga, a little bit of tasada, 
Um, it's kind of a blend with that that golf movement class. But yes, and, I do and all on the one juniors. Yeah, ahead. that's awesome. On the one-on-one lessons, um, do you? Is there a prerequisite? Do they need to take the body movement? Do you give them a screen? Like if I moved to wherever you are and said, you know, I really want to get better in the next six months, what are you going to do with me? Yeah, the first thing I'll do, I'll do an assessment just to find it. I'll, I'll check their balance, and then I'll check their disassociation of their upper body and their lower body. So it's a little bit of a TPI mini screening to find out, uh, again, what's limiting. Um, and then, of course, I'll ask them, you know, any physical limitations, what's going on with the body. Because I just tell them, I said, if the body doesn't show up, the golf swing's not going to show up. It's going to think, or in a sense of how your body shows up is how your golf swing shows up in, in that sense. They're just too interrelated. Um, and I really teach right. them about the body, about, as you know, the, you know, the body. So that's what I would do with them. And then we talk about, okay, here's why, here's, here's the body, you know, the assessment, and then here's what's going on in your golf swing, and here's probably why. And then we kind of set up a plan from there. Would you, ask them, them the, would you ask them to take the six-week course? Yes, yes. I would say here's what I offer, and this is what – and then I have – I've been um, – this last summer I ran a lot of them indoors because it's so lovely hot here. So I have a lot of video that I've <laughs> that I've taken <laughs> – I have a lot of video that I've taken, so I will send them a sample of um, just a a video clip of what it entails so they can kind of see that it's like, oh, it's not a yoga class because a lot of people are afraid of the word yoga. So that's why I've changed it to golf movement because I want it to be golf. It's about moving. Um, So I'll just send them a quick little um, clip of here's a sample of the video. So it's not like too intimidating. Most of the uh, people that I've been in in my class are actually older gentlemen that are losing distance and are losing flexibility and it's that senior men golfer that you know they're not hitting it in as far anymore uh, you know they're being, becoming frustrated in their game like well I you know why can't I hit it any farther well it's because of the body so we just teach them about and I have many testimonials with the gentlemen that have gone through the program they're amazed on how much how crisper they're hitting the golf ball and they're, and they're gaining their distance back because they're understanding what their body needs to do. That's great. It's a lot of fun. I love yeah, that class. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, it's, it's like anything else, Sue. I think um, education uh, is probably yeah. the key factor in, in, in being a, a, a great golfer or whatever it is that you choose to do. I think the knowledge is, is power, as we've heard so many times. And I think that when people understand what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong and have it explained in, in, in you know, as simple a way as possible, it's amazing the revelation they have. It's like, wow, I, I never thought of it that way or I didn't, you know, and I think that's why it's important, uh, you know, as Cindy pointed out that, you know, when you have a new student coming that we do some uh, assessment and kind of get to know that person a little bit on a one-on-one uh, or even in a group yeah. setting, but just to get to know the individuals a little bit and understand what they're thinking, what they're feeling, um, because mm-hmm. it can make a big difference. You know, one of the worst things I think as an instructor that you can do is try to teach them based on your understanding without really getting to know that individual first. Um, you know, obviously some people are visual learners and, and others learn different ways. So if we try to 
do things one way and without really consulting them first, a lot of times they're just sort of, you know, their eyes are rolling in the back of their head like a slot machine and they just don't <laughs> get it and become frustrated. No, it's true. They become frustrated and, yes. you know, the next thing you know, they're, they're not coming back. So I think that's something that uh, as instructors we, we have to be mindful of. Um, all right, uh, Sue, let's talk a little bit about your, your new book, uh, Golf the Last Six Inches. I think we can pretty much guess uh, what the six inches you're talking about, but explain a little bit about how this came about and uh, <laughs> what you're trying to relay, uh, relay in, the, uh, in the new book. Yeah, the um, Golf Lost Six Inches, it was just a brainchild of mine. I started doing, you know, mental retreats, um, mental, oh, I should say mind and body retreats. And I've been doing the mind and body retreats for, oh gosh, probably seven, eight years now. And just put the program together. And then I thought, you know, I just need to write a book and put all this stuff in a book and share it with other people. And um, so it, that's where it came up to be. And it's like, you know, I, I've always wanted to write a book. Everybody says it's the hardest thing you ever want to ever ever could do, which is true. It's just one of those things that you really have to stay committed to and and finish. Um, and it was just like I said with the um, like I said earlier is that it, most people have the formula that thinking that if I go to the range and hit golf balls, I'm, I'm going to get better. And every time I ask when I do a group or when I speak in front of a group, uh, the first question I ask is how mental is the game of golf? Give me a percentage. And everyone says at least 50 or 90 or 80, and the average is, you know, at least 70 or 80%. And I said, okay, so if it's, if it's golf is 80% mental, what are you doing for the mental side of golf? And they kind of just had that, you know, deer in the headlight look like, well, I'm really not. And so I, so that's why I started <laughs> to create the book. I'm like, well, this is how, because people don't know how to train mentally. They think that they know how to train physically or, or I should say using the skill sets. Like, okay, I'm supposed to go to the range or I'm supposed to go putt or I'm supposed to go chip. But the mental side, you know, yes, Vision 54 is out there, Dr. Bob Rotello, there's such good information out there, but we just need to apply it more. And that's why I came up with the book. And um, I now have a ACE Performance Workbook that's a companion journal that goes with the book um, so that you read a chapter and then you do some exercises, then you read a chapter and then you do some exercises so you can take those, so you can experience it. And that's what I do with my retreats. They actually go through the journal um, throughout the retreat and so they can apply the learning. And then we go on the golf course and we, you know, uh, we'll go work on our focus or we'll go work on our, our language or we'll go work on our physiology. So we take those pieces and we actually get onto the golf course and we think about that and we actually apply it instead of just, oh, here's a book, go read it. Well, that's great information, but what are you doing with it? How do you apply it? Are you experiencing with it? What are you learning about yourself while you're going through it? Yeah, I think that's a great idea having the, the accompanying journal like that because you're right. I mean, people will read the book and it's great and there's lots of good information in it. But then if you're not actually applying it, um, you know, it, you soon sort of forget a lot of that stuff. And then it also gives you an opportunity to review things that you've read through the book by, uh, you know, working through a journal like that. I think that's a great idea. And, and um, uh, you know, I think a lot of people probably just don't realize, you know, as you said, when you talk to them and ask them about the mental side of golf, they'll certainly give you a percentage or a figure um, that's much higher than what you'd, you'd expect to hear from them. But at the same time, they're doing absolutely nothing uh, to train that part. And they're just spending hour after hour out in the golf uh, practice tee 
you know, banging balls and, you know, Cindy said raking and, and hitting <laughs> balls, but not yeah. really, you know, doing anything. Uh, Cause then when they get in the golf course, the big question in their mind is, well, why can't I take my range game? You know, I'm hitting them beautiful here mm-hmm. on the range, but when I get on the golf course, you know, I suck. Uh, you know, why is right. that happening? Well, it's because, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, re- calming and, and relaxing themselves when they get on the golf course, they're standing over the ball thinking 20 different things and it's no wonder they can't hit the thing. So um, I think that's a, a great yeah, old then, idea. Where, where, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think it's just that, you know, golf is the only sport in the world that we don't practice on the practice field. And I think that's very shameful. Um, you know, I, I think the golf industry just needs to figure out a way to get players on the golf course to learn not necessarily just play. And, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, book a tee time and everything's in a rush. And it's just, you know, every, you know, when I coached basketball way back in the day, where would we go practice our dribbling? We practice right on the car, on the, on the court. We wouldn't go, you know, in the parking lot to go practice. <laughs> we right. go right down the right. court. So I think we just need to get more players on the golf course to learn. And I know Vision 54 does a great job with that. And that's what they promote. I just think the golf industry needs to figure out a way is how can we set up, you know, practice facilities so that we can create that type of environment for it's a learning type of environment instead of like Cindy says, rake, you know, rake and hit, rake and hit, because that's right. the old, I can say the old traditional way. I think I'd like to see a lot. You're, you're exactly right. I'd like to see, and, and Cindy, you and I've mentioned this a couple times on the show over the years. Uh, I would love to see more executive type courses uh, you know, I love some of these great, big, beautiful courses that we have here, but at the same time, uh, I think some shorter, you know, par three courses and, and not even necessarily, you know, 18 hole or even nine hole, maybe just three hole executive um, golf centers yes. and facilities that c- people can go and just get out there and sort of train and, and work on their, their games a little bit without, you know, worrying about the five groups that are standing on the tee box behind them you know, tapping their finger on the cart, waiting for them to, to move on. So mm-hmm. I just think sometimes, you know, we as an industry, maybe we need to look at making that more of a staple for uh, teaching and not just always taking them out to some nice resort course or, or some, you know, high-end uh, facility um, where they're not really prepared for it quite yet. So um, just, just a thought. Where, where can uh, those uh, tuning into the show, um, Sue, if they're interested in getting a copy of the book, uh, where can they go about doing that? Uh, you can get it on Amazon. Um, you, you just, you know, type in golf elastic cinches. It'll pop up um, right on right on there. If they want a signed copy, just have them email me at swieger, or S-W-I-E-G-E-R at gmail.com. Uh, if, and then I also have a free, a complimentary mental golf ebook that they can get for free. Uh, they just have to go to golf slash or should say golf-thelasticsinches.com, and they just put their email address in, and they can get a, a 17-page uh, complimentary mental golf ebook. That we, a lot of the concepts, concepts that we talked about are in that ebook, so it's complimentary. Okay. Very good. That's great. Um, yeah, and, and I think they can also, you have a link, I believe, on your website. Is that correct? That if, if they are yes. visiting your website, suigergolf.com, uh, they can click on there and, and uh, find out how to get the book from there as well, correct? 
Yes, that is correct. There's an Amazon link on there. It takes them right to the Amazon link. That is correct. Perfect. Um, Cindy, any final thoughts or, or questions that you have for Sue? No, I'm so glad you joined us this morning. Thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge. Thank you, Cindy. And again, congratulations on your uh, launching Phase Golf. I'm very excited to see what's going to happen with all of that. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> well, if I can be of any if I can be of any service, let me know. I would. Uh, I just love what you what you and Pat and the ladies are doing. Perfect. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, Sue. Well, thank you very much for for uh, taking time to join us early this morning on the Women of Golf Show. We appreciate it, and uh, best of luck with the book. And and keep uh, out there helping all of those golfers, both male and female, out there uh, to go out and have some fun with this game. So we appreciate you taking time this morning and sharing that. And make sure you visit Amazon.com for those of you tuning into the show this morning to get a copy of Sue's uh, new book, Golf: The Last Six Inches. It's a great read. Thank you, Sue. Thank you, Ted. Cindy, have a great day. And stay warm up there in Buffalo, Cindy. You do the same. Bye-bye. <laughs> I will. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was our very special guest, uh, Sue Weger. Uh, and you can learn more about uh, some of the different programs that she does uh, by visiting suewegergolf.com. And it's W-I-E-G-E-R is the correct spelling of her last name. So it's S-U-E. Uh, W-I-E-G-E-R golf.com. And again, visit amazon.com to get a copy of her book, Golf, The Last Six Inches. Um, Well, Cindy, I I know that we've got to wrap up a little bit earlier. We were planning on doing uh, a little bit of a discussion on some golf tips, some commonly asked questions in golf, but I think what we'll do is we'll save that uh, for the next show, uh, which will be on the, I believe, the 27th, when we're going to be joined by, if I'm not mistaken, Brendan Cooper. Is that correct? Brennan Sweeney from French Lick Resort. I'm sorry, Bre- I'm sorry, Brennan Sweeney. My apologies. Um, Brennan Sweeney will be joining us from French Lick. Uh, the end of the month, we'll be off, of course, next week uh, for observance of uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. So we won't have a show next week, but we'll be back uh, the following week on the 27th with uh, Brennan Sweeney from French Lick. Um, so we'll uh, follow up with uh, our discussion that we were planning on having today. So, Cindy, as always, thank you, and thank you to the listeners uh, each and every week for faithfully tuning in to uh, the Women of Golf Show. We appreciate it very much. God bless everybody. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Thanks, Cindy. Bye-bye.